0: welcome to vicious talk with benny p exciting episode today we're going to be starting our football preview for the upcoming 2021 season brought back my good friend and co-host connor larson welcome back buddy Hey, what's popping, Benny? You pumped for this, man?
1: We got Dude, I'm year. so excited. We we have fantasy football back. We have regular football back obviously. I mean, we just had the uh, the preseason Hall of Fame opener. So, oh, it's pretty cool you. to see some. And today the Olympics are ending, so we're in that transition phase. This is this is yeah. football season now. They they yeah. own the market.
0: I mean for me personally it's it's still baseball season so I'm a baseball oh, guy yeah. I love but it's it, the, the typical like the casual sports fan you know they start to just start looking ahead he's like it's what's baseball around the corner like, yeah exactly like, so we got an exciting NFL season coming up and we got a lot of exciting rookies that are coming to the league um, that really last year was just a chaotic season with all kinds of COVID issues and um, just really a lot of a lot of disorganization it felt like last year and I'm really excited for like you know just a lot of prep work and going to this season it seems like the the league is a lot more prepared they're ready for a lot of different challenges that they're going to be facing for the new season and it's kind of nice to be able to have a full season of you know of otas and, and uh, training camps and all that you know there's there's less you know zoom calls for teams and stuff like that it's just a, a lot more normalization for the upcoming right. season and it's starting to get you know it's starting to get me jazzed up for for the year
1: yeah, absolutely. It's, it's nice to have a, a little bit of a sense of normalcy. And I think we're almost having going to have like two rookie classes this year because we had the players who played in that COVID season, but they didn't have a typical training camp or typical preseason yeah. games. So this is going to be the real first time playing with their teams, having that preparation. And then obviously you have the incoming rookie class. So I feel like kind of, we have two rookie classes. I think we're going to see a lot of breakout players this year.
0: Yeah, we're going to talk all kinds of different um analysis for the upcoming season. We're going to go into depth on, you know, some I think you could say we're going to talk uh, all things analysis. All things analysis. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. The <laughs> we, um we're not just going to talk about fantasy football, which is probably our specialty, um but we're going to, you know, give some ca- uh gambling handicapping. We're going to oh, give yeah. some over/unders on picks, I mean, win totals. And uh we're going to go division by division in the NFL. We're going to start here with two divisions in the NFC. Uh, and then what we're going to do is going to do some in-depth um, analysis and some talk on each team in these divisions. We're going to start with the NFC West and the NFC South. We'll go over each team. We'll talk about you know the, the, the key X factors, the big additions and, and the big subtractions for each team. Um, what to look for from a fantasy perspective, and then we'll offer at the end our uh, our picks for the over/under, win total, um, based on you know the the insider Vegas, the MGM bets, um, win win total line. There make sense yeah i'm ready for it brother dude i'm really i'm really pumped for this like you said it's just going to be a lot of uh trends we're going to be trying to analyze like especially like that one you just touched on already the uh that's the sophomores coming into the season we talked about there's a number of fantasy assets that people are, are eyeing for fantasy uh purposes going into their drafts this year that you know we could see some big so unexpectedly big jumps from some sophomore guys and we're going to talk about them as we go through each each uh you know team and, and each lineup uh, roster for each uh for these analysis that we're going to be doing oh hell yeah cool man all right Let's kick it off, man. All right. So for anybody, I, I I don't I'm not sure I'm not sure whether or not we're gonna be putting this on YouTube yet. But for anybody you know watching us on YouTube, I do have. I'm if we can get
1: my computer game. to cooperate, we'll get it on yeah, YouTube. Ex-
0: exactly. We uh we got Larry Fitzgerald. I got a Larry Fitzgerald jersey on, and uh you know rightfully so. We're gonna kick it off with the Arizona Cardinals the arizona cardinals the uh eight and eight in a, with their 2020 record the arizona cardinals uh had a, a, an up and down season last year they started off hot finished cold and the over under win total we're looking at here coming to 2021 is eight and a half so we're projecting you're you're projecting whether or not they're going to get one more winner um than they did last year they're plus 600 to about plus 650 to win the division they have you know a lot of possible outcomes here with this with this team. Any initial thoughts on the uh, the, uh, the Cardinals team, Connor? I mean, talk about a tough division
1: when you're going up against the Seahawks and, and the Rams and the 49ers, all teams that have made some significant offseason changes. I think the Cardinals are very frisky, just like they were last year when you have Kyler Murray, who is one of the most, uh, I would say, just explosive players in the NFL who could turn a game on a dime. But at the same time, you know, it's a really difficult conference. So, I mean, if you put them at 500, I think that's a very accurate line. And that's kind of where I would predict them to uh, come out once again.
0: It's a, it's an intriguing line because you talk about last year, they were very frisky, but they were also incredibly lucky and incredibly unlucky at times. Like, they had right. a lot of variation and volatility throughout their season. Like, we talk about – we could talk about that, uh, that Buffalo Bills game last year where they, they had the, the, the Hail Mary to DeAndre Hopkins – to close out the game get that win they really snatched that that game from the jaws of defeat and there was a lot of instances last season that you know they really they, they could have lost this one they could have won that one like there's just a lot of things that played out that were unexpected with their season last year and um you know, we could talk about some of the additions they've made. They've brought in some veteran presence with J.J. Watt on the de- defensive line. Rondi Hudson's going to be their center. He's a, a veteran a veteran guy in his own right. We'll see if he's able to help shore up some of the O-line troubles they had last year. A.J. Green, a, a very pe- peculiar addition to their wide receiving core. I don't really know how he's going to be any better than bringing back Larry Fitzgerald. I mean, it seems like Green was on his way out the league last year. All the PFF advanced statistics, next-gen stats were showing that he was starting to get pretty washed up and then they brought patriot super bowl legend malcolm butler cornerback uh he's a little bit probably on the back end probably past his prime by now and so we'll see if the cardinals can get any um you know more juice out of him they mm-hmm. brought in james connor to replace Kenyon drake
1: right yeah, so goodbye to Kenyon drake him,
0: yeah. matt prater i think is an upgrade at kicker too for um or, uh, who'd they have? Uh, Zane Gonzalez, I believe. Zane Gonzalez, yeah. And then some of the losses, you know, they they, uh, they lost Hassan Reddick on the edge, edge rush, Kenyon Drake I mentioned already, Mason Cole that was their center last year, he's out. But the, really the big loss for me was their cornerback, uh, Patrick Peterson. They're moving away from him, and he was a longtime Cardinal, a big, uh, you know, future Hall of player. Famer, I would guess. Yeah. So, and then they, they don't really have a tight end coming into the season. They lost Dan Arnold, and so we'll talk about that. They don't. They don't really have a uh, uh, established tight end. They're going to roll out Max Williams, who I didn't really know much about. Uh, he he played a uh, little season. bit last year. He, he yeah, it's just, nothing he's not special. A, he's not a rookie. He's he's entering his seventh season. He was a second yeah. round pick. He was a second round pick by the Baltimore Ravens in twenty fifteen. But he hasn't caught more than sixteen receptions since twenty fifteen. He had thirty two in, in his rookie year. So it. What we're going to see is we we have DeAndre Hopkins and then a massive drop off to the next pass, the next passing option receiving option for Kyler Murray.
1: I mean, mean, Christian Kirk is a a frisky player, but he's never really put together a full season. They, uh, they drafted Rondale Moore who could be an impactful player, but I mean, he's, he's not necessarily a complete wide receiver either. Not a guy who you, who you stack up against anybody in the top of the league when you talk about the draft class and the Devonta Smiths and the Jalen Waddles and the our chases he's not going to be an impactful player just like those guys so I, it'll be interesting what, what they're able to do i mean you know how much time is is the washed up aj green going to get how much time are they going to give to their rookies they uh they drafted a um a little guy last year too who didn't get much playing time isabella,
0: I, isabella. yes andy andy, andy isabella, andy isabella they drafted yeah. him over dk metcalf Oh my God! They drafted him one pick ahead of DK Metcalf. To
1: be fair, a lot of players were drafted ahead of DK Metcalf, and all of those teams it, should Isabel be rightfully just happened shamed. To be
0: one pick, Isabelle right. happened to be one pick ahead of Metcalf. Just he's always gonna have that little that little asterisk on his his pick. Can you
1: imagine DeAndre
0: Hopkins, Kyler Murray, and DK
1: <laughs> Metcalf? Whew. That'd be explosive.
0: All right, for me, the biggest X factor here for the Cardinals coming into this year is is Kyler Murray's running. I mean, last year we, we all saw it. Kyler Murray, the Arizona and the Arizona Cardinals were most effective when Kyler was running the football. I mean, during the first three quarters of their games in 2020, Kyler produced a 0.41 EPA, expected points added per rush attempt. In over ninety-eight uh, attempts. I mean, by comparison, we love to talk about how dominant Derrick Henry is. He he was zero point zero four EPA per attempt over two hundred ninety-three. So I mean, it's a big there's a big difference there. I mean, Kyler was the most effective rushing ever, like not ever. He was the most effective rusher period last season. Yeah. So. If you remove Kyler's rushing, Arizona ranked well below average in rush efficiency, they, uh, but they ranked third with Kyler stats added. So a big drop off to, you know, from the quarterback to the running back efforts for, for Arizona last year. I mean, without right. Kyler, they were 18th in the NFL, 4.1 yards per carry with a 48% success rate, negative 0.04 EPA per attempt from non-QB runs. So Really it's it was a story of two seasons last year for Arizona. Pre so Kyler talked about in an interview during the offseason that he kind of hurt his shoulder in my uh against Miami in week nine. Yeah, and, and really the the media. And, and up until that up. point, he was the number
1: one fantasy player.
0: Yeah. And
1: the media and really the team was playing really up. well too.
0: Yeah. They didn't pick up on the injury until maybe a week or two later. Um but you talk about the first the first eight weeks of the season pre-injury Kyler was r- rushing the ball nine times a game with a point five point five EPA per attempt 7.6 yards per carry on a 62% success rate and even post-injury he was still pretty effective 6.1 rushes a game uh, 0. 0.20 EPA per attempt and a 5.1 yard per carry on a 60% success, success rate so we're talking about like a
1: 30 to 40 percent drop off in the amount of rushes, yeah. though. I mean, that's huge when you're talking about fantasy results. And you're also talking about one of the most effective rushers. If you cut his rushes by that much, it's going to have a large impact on the game and on the on the outcomes of, of what Arizona Cardinals are going to get in the win and loss column.
0: Yeah, I mean, not just all the advanced stats th- aside that I just threw at you, I mean, you talk about. Get nailed with advanced stats. Yeah. But you just talk about win and loss records, okay? Pre injury, through the first nine weeks, they were six and three. After the injury, they were two and five to finish yep. the season. There's a lot of there's a lot of, you know, variables that get impacted by those results. But the point is that the, the Arizona Cardinals did not finish the season well last year, and there was a, the main pre the the main reason and the stats show it is that Kyler got hurt at some point and within the week the within like the, the week nine matchup against Miami. So mm-hmm. I mean that Just his throwing efficiency had a, a major drop-off. So we talk about the rushing. It wasn't even as, as significant as his throwing. Pre-injury, he was averaging – he had a 0.05 EPA per pass attempt. Uh, he His average depth of target was 8.1 yards per attempt. He had a 7.6 yard per attempt pass, uh, pass rate. And then he had a 3.7% sack rate. And then post injury, he had negative zero point zero six EPA per attempt. EPA is an excellent stat, by the and way. Can you? What does EPA stand for again, Benny? Expected points added. It's essentially okay. how how well. It's basically it's how like how war for baseball, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So his his EPA um, after the injury per, per pass attempt was negative point zero six per attempt. His average depth of target dropped off by almost a full yard, seven point right. two. He had 6.6 yards per attempt so a full yard under his pre-injury and then his sack rate went up. He was holding the ball too long. He was indecisive with the football and he he tried to... He he was afraid to get out of pocket. He was definitely a lot more conservative and you can absolutely see that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And my question to you, Ben, is do you think we see conservative Kyler, the second half Kyler or do you you see a return to the healthy Kyler where they're more aggressive? I mean, and of course we still have Cliff Kingsbury calling the plays so he's he's a complete wild card.
0: That's the biggest variable for me kingsbury because he came into the league as you know he was supposed to be this offensive guru
1: patrick mahomes former coach yeah, in college exactly. right
0: exactly he was the te- he came in at texas tech didn't really have any sort of coaching experience at the professional level A uh, uh, kind of a bizarre sign he wasn't he was supposed to go to usc and then he and then he dropped out of the usc oc position they got know, passed right, over yeah yeah and then um He hasn't been what what Arizona promised, essentially. I mean, he has not shown any sort of creativeness to maximize Kyler's abilities. And we're... We're
1: he was supposed to... to be this super aggressive coach. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many times he passed up on like fourth and one or fourth and goal. And they didn't go for it. I was like, I thought this was supposed to be this offensive, just attacking coach. And it didn't really feel that way. And especially the second half of the season. Absolutely not.
0: I, I, look, I, I, I'm i highly optimistic about Kyler's season, the upcoming season. I think um, the one interesting quote from him was when he said that he, he really doesn't want to rely on his legs. He said that this <laughs> offseason he wants to, um, you know, be able to throw the throw the ball more efficiently and
1: the Russell out, Wilson transition, right, from yeah. early in his career to later, where he became more of a pocket passer.
0: I mean any QB with a with a brain w- would say that. I mean longevity you of career, absolutely. Exactly. You can't you can't continue to run the ball the way he was and expect to have a, a multi dozen year career or so. Um but really Kingsbury is the big the biggest X factor for me because he's the,
1: easily the, the fourth best rentals. coach in that league. I mean, you talk about Pete Carroll, Sean McVay. And then I mean, you know, what the other team? San Francisco. So I mean, he's easily Shanahan. the fourth best coach. Yeah,
0: it's not even close. It's not even close. It's a major drop-off. I mean, you look at just the way they ran the ball. Talk to you about how inefficient the the running backs were last year. 51% of Arizona's runs went into light boxes of six or fewer defenders. That's the second most in the NFL. And they were still incredibly inefficient. So... They weren't good on the ground.
1: Kenny and Drake did not have a good year. Uh, Chase Edmonds was okay, but he was more effective in the passing game. Do you really think James Conner is going to change that very much? I mean, they're relying on Chase Edmonds and James Conner now.
0: We're talking about three running backs. I mean, you you throw Drake in there from last year. Drake, Edmonds, and Conner are all three very inefficient running backs. Um, and so I think that's what we're we're gonna continue to see at the running game. So whether or not Kyler's feet are able to make some magic happen is gonna, I think gonna be the biggest is what's gonna hinge on their success this year. The defense, though, the defense for me, I wanted to touch on really quick. They were the reason why I'm a little bit down on the under uh, on on their win total is I mean, I'm a little bit leaning towards the under on their win total is I think the defense performed a little bit better than expected last year. They were tenth in uh, defensive DVOA, ninth against the pass, and fourteenth against the run. And they they caught a break, a lot of breaks last year. They faced six backup or rookie quarterbacks last year, and um, they're expect this year the Cardinals are expected to face the sixth toughest schedule of opposing offenses based on EPA last year. So I think the addition of JG Watt is is good. I think the uh, bringing back Chandler Jones, who missed eleven games last year, I think that's a positive as, as well. But for me, the loss of Patrick Peterson is going to leave their their um, their cornerback situation on the secondary very vulnerable. Yeah. They also lost Dre Kirkpatrick as well. So mm-hmm. just um, a lot of question marks in the secondary for zone. I think you're going to be able to, to throw on their defense a lot. And so I think that they're uh, while they were better than expected last season, I think we're, they're, they're going to normalize a little bit. I think we're going to see them be a little bit league average to below average this year.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. And I think it's, to me, this is an easy under call when you talk about, you know, the division that they're playing in and then you talk about the the ads and losses, uh, ads and losses on their team. I think they ended up giving away more on their defense than they added on their offense or defense. And so when you talk about the worst coach, and then the competitiveness of the other team and the additions that like the Rams made adding Matthew Stafford I think that's a huge upgrade for them and obviously Russell Wilson's not going anywhere Jimmy Garoppolo is a proven winner but Trey Lance also has a ton of upside and San Francisco is going to be extremely healthy they were I think the least healthy team last year in terms of the amount of starters lost on their team so I think they're going to be hugely improved as well so when two out of the four teams in your division are hugely improved and then you didn't make the right moves in the offseason to bolster your offense at running back on defense i mean what what did james connor have last year i think you have the stat in there is
0: it 3.8 yards per carry i mean he, yeah he was negative light box negative or 0. heavy box 1. yeah he, he was negative negative point zero one epa per attempt so he was he was the least efficient running back in pittsburgh backfield last year they had benny, benny snell and mcfarland jr that both of them had were more efficient running backs than than James Conner. And
1: that's card. crazy. I mean, I mean, Anthony McFarland's kind of like a James White type, too. He's not really even a running back. He's more of a pass-catching back. So the fact that James Conner was less effective than them, it doesn't give me much confidence that this team is going to push for the over. Uh, even in eight-and-a-half games in a 17-game season, I still think I'm going to take the under for them.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of... Uh things that kind of fell their way that resulted in their eight wins last year. I think honestly they should have lost more games. I mean, Car- the Cardinals also, they, they ranked eighth in fumble recovery luck and sixth in net t- uh, touchdown percentage in the red zone. So just a lot of those, those stats are, are more uh, hinging on just general dumb luck. If, if the luck stats regressed it, to the mean, it could, it could end up being, you know, more close games end up being losses for them this year. Like I said, that Buffalo hail Mary was uh, absolute. absolute. That oddity, an incredible play. Uh, it was
1: an amazing players. individual talent play when you talk about Kyler Murray rolling out of the pocket, avoiding a sack, and then hucking it 60 yards downfield to DeAndre Hopkins in triple coverage. It was t- it was two individual players who are outstanding talents, and that's really the only way this team is going to go above eight and a half wins is if DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray just have transcendent like seasons. Moss,
0: yeah, like a, Randy a,
1: Moss a Tom, a Tom Brady to Randy to Moss type season, or yeah. where we see Kyler Murray push for a thousand yards on the ground. But I don't. Mm-hmm. Think they're going to be that aggressive on the ground i don't think they're going to be doing that because they saw what happens line when is
0: very mediocre
1: absolutely. They, they, Kyler's going to get pressured a ton and he's going to be more conservative. He doesn't want to get injured again. He doesn't want to take a huge hit. He's thinking about his full career. So I don't think he takes a big step up beyond what he did last year, but last year he was a top five fantasy like quarterback. So in terms of fantasy, I think you're fine, but if you're betting on the Cardinals for a long shot Super Bowl, I don't think that's a good bet.
0: For sure. I mean, you look at their additions they brought in it. They're all old. They're all veterans who are on the back end of their careers, Watt, Green, Rodney Hudson, Malcolm Butler, all guys that are their best years are behind are behind them. And I think the NFC West, like you said, is the best division in the NFL. Kingsbury hasn't shown anything to suggest that he's creative enough to find solutions outside of Kyler Murray runs and passes De- to DeAndre Hopkins. So <laughs> when Kyler Murray runs or Kyler Murray passes it to DeAndre, the Cardinals are good, but that's it. That's just about it. So I'm taking right. the under on, eight, on the eight and a half win total. I think that's a pretty good bet. Yeah, yeah, I think we're both aligned on this team. Okay, all right, let's move on. Uh, the uh, Los Angeles Rams, a very exciting team coming into twenty twenty one. Their uh, their last season record was ten and six. This season, heading to the year, they're a ten and a half over under win total, plus one eighty five to about plus one one ninety to win the division. Key ads, obviously highlighted by Matthew Stafford coming in at quarterback, a, a major upgrade from Jared Goff. We could touch on some of the stats there. Deshaun Watson, I mean Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson, that's hilarious. Deshaun Jackson is, is going to be their third wide receiver here uh, heading into the season, and I mean obviously, he's definitely going to battle say, Van Jefferson,
1: who's yeah. who's a you know possible breakout was, candidate. He's was their was, second round pick last year.
0: He was somebody that came into the the, the season last year and was given every opportunity to thrive in that wide receiver three role and he could not take the bull by the horns. They, they still they like Josh, Josh Reynolds. Reynolds a lot. Yeah. yeah Reynolds, they Josh Reynolds, Reynolds is in Tennessee now. So he's no longer in this receiving court. And we're gonna be looking at either Deshaun Jackson or Josh Reynolds Reynolds. And uh the Rams, they love using eleven personnel, which means they're gonna be using three wide receiver sets mm-hmm. often. eleven personnel if you know if you're if you're a little bit uh If if, if you're a little bit confused as to what what that means, it's one running back and one tight end. So the first number is the running back and the second number is the tight end mount so like if you do 12 personnel you have one running back and two tight ends if you have 22 personnel you have two running backs and two tight ends 21 is two running backs one tight end so mm-hmm. it, it, it's a good way of kind of understanding where they yeah. line up on the, on the opposite and they side. got
1: rid of Gerald everett too so that makes it all the exactly. more likely they're going to just run out tyler higby in the one exactly. tight end set
0: exactly and and that, they had that guy Munt. i think his name is Munt, and i i, I don't think he's a very effective i'm not sure we're allowed to either. say that on the air ben what is what are you referring to with that?
1: No, next next uh segment, go ahead.
0: <laughs> Look, the uh the Rams are a very excited team. They they didn't really lose too many uh, you know, X-fact, I mean big time Playmakers on their on their subtractions this year. They lost Austin Blyther center. Derek Rivers on the edge. Gerald Everett, like you mentioned, it's probably the biggest name that I, I'm looking at here. Josh Johnson, the safety, was pretty good. Uh, Josh Reynolds, the receiver, was all right. Malcolm Butler is, is no longer the running back. Malcolm uh, Brown. Back court. Malcolm Brown. Sorry. I already. i keep. They keep doing that. The slip of the tongue there. With hey, players. you know, it's our first football preview <laughs> episode right now. You know, we're both yeah, getting back into slack. the rhythm. Absolutely. Yeah. Troy, Troy Hill was a good cornerback for them, but they do still have uh, Darius Williams and uh, Jalen Ramsey. Who Their are...
1: biggest loss is obviously Blake Bortles, though. I mean, what are they going
0: to do without that guy? <laughs> I know, right? I mean, what, what was his quote? He was like, if I didn't play football, I'd just be like a bum smoking cigarettes all the time. Isn't that what he said? And I think that's <laughs> probably what he's going to be doing this year. <laughs> uh, look, the the biggest question here heading into the ramp season is how much better will Matt Stafford be than Jared Goff? And my guess initially right off the bat, is a lot better, a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, clearly the Rams had a strategy this offseason to go get go and get their guy McVay. You could see it in the middle of the season last year. He he was done with Goff. He 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 didn't want to he didn't want to work with Goff anymore, and it happened. You know, probably within the, the second half of the season. he You could tell yeah. that he was just he's done working with the guy. He didn't he did not hold Goff in high esteem. He went and got his guy, Matt Stafford. The whole story behind that was really cool. If you haven't heard, you could go with the the uh, the Ringer has the um, that podcast, Flying Coach McVeigh was the was the host of that. I think it was like a ten podcast series this offseason. He hit his episode with with Kyle Shanahan and the the, the discussion about bringing bringing in Matt Stafford going mm-hmm. to Cabo. It was hilarious. It was like it was a great story. I think Shanahan was saying like he was in Cabo there as well, like in a different hotel, and he was thinking about going over and talking with Stafford, trying to throw a little wrench in their their plans. It d- it didn't really play out the way Shanahan wanted. He's very worried, uh, for the for the uh, the not- Kyle Shanahan is very worried about how effective Matt Stafford's going to be for the Rams. Um, I
1: saw a coach's poll about the most talented quarterbacks in the league. Yeah. And I was very shocked to see Matt Stafford, I think was like six, seven or eight. He was, very he was ranked in the league. top 10. And I'm like, this is a guy who hasn't put together a winning season since he had Calvin Johnson, maybe four or five years ago. And yet yeah. he still looked at as one of the top 10, most talented uh, quarterbacks. I mean, I, has he even won a playoff it's game? Maybe one in his entire oh, career. He's
0: never. He never
1: has, never has. Yeah. So he's, yeah, they been to the wild card round a few yeah, times. That, hey, exactly. They haven't even won one. I oh, I think he's it's, zero to uh, two. 0 and two in the there was a the famous drop catch, wasn't there? Where like I reached out, yeah.
0: For me, look, staff. It was Stafford was in the wrong place. Detroit was a horrendous environment for him to be in over the last twelve,
1: and they seasons. still are, to
0: be clear. Exactly. I mean, Stafford. When you look at his coaching, his his coaches that he was with for the twelve years at Detroit, for eight of the twelve years he had a defensive-minded coach. And when you look at the difference between when he had he had Jim Caldwell for four years, Jim Caldwell is a very offensive, gifted mind. I, I in my opinion, they should not have fired him when they did, but regardless, I mean, you look at the stats that Stafford had and the team had with Jim Caldwell versus when they had defensive-minded coach throughout those other eight seasons. So the four years with Caldwell, Stafford, and the Lions went 36-28, and and then without without Caldwell, with defensive-minded coach, they went 38-61-1. and So there's a big difference there. I think Matt Stafford was thriving in the offensive environment. I think he's going to be just, like, what do you call it, fishing with football? With, Like fire, fishing with electricity. Like he's gonna be. He, he's I'm not gonna, sure he, where we're going with this but I think he's going to be electric so, I agree the, the, point, the point is like he's going to be in heaven with, working with, with Sean McVay oh
1: my god it's a, it, absolutely a match made in heaven this is going to be easily the most uh, o- offensively efficient and uh, offensively creative coach that he's been with his, in his career and this is also going to be the best defense he's ever played with so he's going to have the ball in his hands a lot more often he's not going to be playing from 20 to 30 points behind he's going to be able to actually manage a football game okay. like an actual nfl
0: quarterback i can't it, it cannot be stated of how bad jared goff was for the rams last year goff was one of the worst qb's period in the nfl you talk about not just not just starting qb's when you compare him to backup qb's he was just as bad as those those guys i mean he when dealing with pressure last year he ranked 32nd in the league in yards per attempt my lord two, he was he was 29th in passer rating against pressure. Matt Stafford, by the way, was top five in both those categories. I mean, it, it's incredible. The Rams last year finished 20th in EPA for passing. They were ranked 20th. They were 20th in yards per pass attempt, 7.1. 23rd in yards per completion, 10.7. And in 2018, the Rams actually that was their Super Bowl year. They finished well. The Super Bowl. They made the Super Bowl. They were fifth in passing EPA during the Super Bowl run. And since then, the team has declined to 15th and 20th. So it's just been a steady decline for for Goff. And Stafford, he ranked 15th in EPA per pass attempt in 2020, while Goff was 28th. The Rams... And we're talking about a Stafford
1: without a healthy Kenny Galladay last year. Galladay played only a handful of games. So he was throwing to Marvin Jones Jr., who also got hurt last year. So he was who was it? Quintez Cephas and and a couple other random players. Maybe DeAndre Swift might have been their best pass catch in Hawkinson, of course. But I mean, he really didn't have the weapons like
0: Robert Woods. Cooper Cup. Yeah. And These guys are, um, I think Daryl Henderson's a good this. pass catcher, too. I think the receiving core for the Rams are going to have career seasons. I years.
1: love the value of Cooper Cup this year. I think he's going to be fantastic.
0: Yeah. For me, I mean we we uh we could talk about bad golf stats all day every day. For, me, <laughs> for, for for me, the, the the biggest indication of why I think the receivers in LA are gonna have a good season this year is you look at the, the ability for Goff to stretch the stretch the uh the ball downfield, throw <clears throat> throw the ball deep. Goff was twenty eighth in this in the league last year at EPA on pass attempts uh that went beyond uh what was it twelve uh but I can't remember what the yards oh, I think it's 20 yards yeah so any any throw 20 yards or more uh, Goff was actually you know get this it wasn't even 20 it was 36 sorry i'm having a hard time reading my notes here the uh, Goff threw the ball the 21st most times uh on, on deep balls and he ranked and he ranked 32nd on on target rate so Goff was incredibly incredibly inaccurate Stafford i think he's like the 7th seventh, seventh, ranked around 7 in in that in that structure, so Stafford is a major upgrade.
1: Stafford threw the 7th most pass attempts that traveled at least 20 yards and ranked 12th in non-target rate. So he threw top 10 in terms of the amount of attempts and still was extremely efficient, 12th in uh, on-target rate, among 36 qualified quarterbacks.
0: I... I just I, I I have big plans for uh, for Woods I had big plans for Cup. If you're talking about the deep was- the deep
1: guy it's absolutely Cooper Cup. Robert Woods is that that safety valve. I think he's going to be uh you know extremely efficient, but you look at what Marvin Jones did with the Detroit Lions multiple years he was a top 20 fantasy wide receiver and that's because Matthew Stafford is extremely efficient throwing the long ball.
0: So. Yeah, I I I have high hopes for all these guys. I also think Tyler Higby is a great value at tight end. Well, uh, now that now that they got rid of Gerald Everett, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And I talked about it already. The Rams, I think, are going to go heavy heavy into eleven personnel, and that's going to be and Tyler Higby is going to be the tight end on the field for them most likely. Yeah. I mean, they don't really have a lot of backup now for him. Gerald Everett being in Seattle, we'll talk about them soon soon enough, but. For me, it's going to be a lot of 11 personnel because clearly the Rams have thrived in in that that uh, alignment last year. Last year, you look at the, the 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 comparisons between 11, 12, and 13 personnel. They were uh, .07 EPA per attempt in 11 personnel and then they were, both, they were both negative EPA in 12 and 13. So, 11 personnel is clearly where they're golden at and they had a 59% success rate in that um, Alignment, and I think the Rams are going to go back into that again this year. We're going to see a lot of through three wide receiver sets, which also means that Deshaun Jackson might be a guy to look at late in your drafts. At least maybe throw him on your watch list after the after the fact, because I think he could be a guy that get that helps the Rams stretch the field, get the uh, stretch the ball down the field for some big yeah. goals.
1: Yeah, and knowing how injury-prone he is, if you're thinking of taking a shot on Deshaun Jackson, I'm just as likely to take a shot on Van Jefferson, the guy who's in his second year. They put high draft capital on him, and they got rid of Josh Reynolds, which gives you some confidence in the fact that they do like this guy as an option.
0: Yeah, and a lot of people, I mean, a lot of fancy... Uh, players and people who participate in fantasy football were very disappointed about the the news with Cam Akers tearing his Achilles heel. Oh,
1: I thought he was going to have a great year, man. After the, he too. put up
0: 160
1: yards on the Pats, so I was like, this guy's going to take it to the next level.
0: I did too. I I, I was very optimistic about Akers uh, in early early going here. Um, he was my you know, favorite
1: of Antonio Gibson, DeAndre Swift, those second year breakout possibility players. J.K.
0: Dobbins. I I like Cam Akers the most out of all of them. And I. My point here that I'm getting to as well, though, is I don't think it's going to be as big of a drop-off to Daryl Henderson. Daryl Henderson, as long as he stays healthy, and that's a big if, because he has had a, a history of injuries uh, over the last few years. But Henderson actually produced more explosive plays than Akers last year. He had 20 runs of 10-plus or more yards, and Akers had 12 on seven or, uh, seven more carries overall. So Akers did less with more Last year, in terms of explosiveness, Henderson has the ability to break a, break one off. He has he has the ability to you know run the ball and, and get some effective explosive runs. And the O line for the Rams they're bringing back all five starters. Whitworth is forty years old uh, in December, but he he was still ranked first in pass block win rate last season. So the that's O-line, incredible, yeah, right? I mean, the guy is just he's 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 in his forties. He's about to be turned forty years old, and he's still doing it on the O line. You know, just being a very effective uh, pass and run blocker for the for the Rams. I think that we're going to see a lot of production of Henderson. I, I honestly have him a little bit higher than most experts do in my personal rankings for the fantasy season. The only thing that has
1: me a little bit worried about him is that they said because of his injury history and the fact that he's not the biggest back, mm-hmm. they do plan on doing a little bit of a running back by committee. And I'm hearing a little bit of buzz yeah.
0: about um their running back like, Funk, I believe. Yeah. yeah, Jake Funk. Jake Funk's not a bad not a bad sleeper um but I still just considering he's a rookie considering that the Rams really just don't have a lot of options unless they go out and sign a guy I'm still going to be pretty optimistic about Henderson and I think that the volume if he gets 80% of the running back workload that's going to be a, enough volume there for him to to work, to work with as a fantasy asset I think he has a big season ahead of him uh, for fantasy football uh, purposes I think he's going to be a good guy to uh, to target in your drafts this this late August September draft season or so um, the last thing with the Rams, the reason why I'm pretty optimistic about them being over 10.5 wins this year, their defense. I mean, their defense was incredible last year. Incredible. It's number um, one defense. Were, yeah, they were they were third in DVOA, but really, I think they were number one in EPA at, uh, expected points added on the defensive side of the football.
1: They were also number one in points against. They gave up 296 points, so only 18.5 per game.
0: Yeah, and the only thing that you, you got to be worry, worried about on the defensive side, is they did not bring any defensive players in to start this off season. They have a, they're bring they're going to be asking a couple guys to uh, step step up. I think they drafted some rookies last year that they're going to be asking to have starting roles again this year. Um, so they did lose uh, they 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 lost their defensive coordinator Brandon Staley to the Chargers. He's the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers now. Um, but I, I actually really liked the hiring that they brought in Raheem Morris out of Atlanta. To come in and to be their defensive coordinator. I thought Raheem Morris was an excellent head coaching candidate this last offseason. And I really liked what he did with Atlanta last year when they let go of um sorry, why am I blinking on the And Quinn?
1: They they, they took Quinn. away the uh the, the defensive duties Quinn. midseason.
0: They let go of Quinn. They brought in um, Raheem Morris to be the head coach. He was the interim head coach there for the, at least the second half of the season or so. And I really liked what he did with them. And I, I, I'm really optimistic about what he can do with the defensive uh, side, on the defensive side of the football for the Rams as well. So I, I think that we're not, if anything, we're not going to see a major drop off with the defense. Maybe some of the lucky plays that they had. Uh, I think they were, they were,
1: I mean, when you have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, the sky's the limit, you know?
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, those are two hall of fame talents on the defensive side of the football. The Rams are clearly in win now mode. I'm picking them on the over 10 and And, it's a tough, it's a tough gambling pick to ever pick a, a team to go over a double digit win total. But my, I'm a little bit. We're more talking
1: about seventeen
0: so. game season too. Exactly. That's, that's we got to remember exactly that too. I was about to say, I was about to say that because with the with the extra game this year, I'm I'm a little bit more willing to do it right? because I think when you look at the his, historical stats, um, teams that are projected to have double digit win totals in the preseason, the success rate on those overs is forty five point six percent, so less than half. Um, it's a, but h- historically we're, there's never been a 17 game season so that stat is a little bit flawed and yeah. we're trying to analyze this and I think the Rams are I think they're better th- this year than they are last year with, I would with, agree. Uh, with Stafford over Goff and so I I don't see why you can't project an improvement on offense and an improvement for this Rams team uh, heading into the 2021 season
1: yeah and I already sprinkled a little bit of money on them as a long shot Super Bowl favorite too
0: I like that man I I'm very I'm very excited for the Rams this year I think they're going to you know try to revitalize that 2018 mantra that they had the super bowl run that they made against the patriots and really i i keep i i uh i was talking about that flying coach podcast and one of the or no 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 it wasn't flying coach it was a different football podcast i was listening to i think it was warren sharps um when you talk to football coaches around the league when they when they mentioned how the Patriots addressed that Super Bowl win against the Rams, that was easily the most confident the Patriots had ever been heading into any Super Bowl they ever were they were ever participating in. Easily the most confident they'd ever been. And the reason the reason was Jared Goff. Jared Goff Mm -hmm. was the most predictable quarterback that ever faced at that that level of uh competition and Goff was just a terrible in that game and the Rams tried to spin it as like they liked his post-game press conferences and his attitude after the loss and it's like dude he was he was the reason why the Rams lost in 2018 no doubt and now that they moved on from him I'm highly encouraged by the potential that Matt Stafford's going to bring to that offense. Totally agree. We're going to talk about the San Francisco 49ers. Now a, a very interesting team heading to 2021 last year, there were six and 10 had some, their story of their 2020 season was obviously the injury luck that they had or the lack of lack thereof. They were easily the most impacted team by health standards. Uh, Football outsiders has like expected games lost based on injuries, essentially. And San Francisco was by far the worst team impacted by that last year. And so, this this season we're talking about a lot of just can they stay healthy can this offense you know regain some of that stature that they had in that Super Bowl run and then the biggest question is whether or not Garoppolo stays healthy and whether or not Trey Lance takes over the starting gig the starting QB role because clearly the 49ers had two guys in the the NFL draft during the offseason that they targeted it was Trey Lance and and then uh Sermon Mm-hmm. Is, is sermons name trey too trey is uh, anyway. also trey yeah yeah i was about i was like when i said their name side by side it threw me off it's
1: pretty a pretty fun back. sports card I've, I've seen that there's a trey lance and a trey sermon one both their rookie yeah. year it's pretty cool i might have to go snag that one
0: <laughs> yeah those are the guys that they targeted though yeah the uh the they traded up for both players they traded they gave up a lot of future draft capital and shanahan was uh saying after the fact that he saw what the Rams have been doing he saw what some of these other teams in the NFL have been doing in terms of devaluing their their draft picks these essentially the draft picks used to be you could you could never trade your first round pick in in, in like a decade ago like people would never trade their first round picks uh, 10 years ago but right. now nowadays the Rams and these other NFL teams are they've shown that you know it's okay to trade these guys when you when you like Seattle traded a first round pick or two to get uh, Jamal Adams there's the the pro bowl safety that they have now running their mm-hmm. defense. So there's this example after example of these, uh, teams that are tr- are trading unknown assets, unknown future assets. I don't think the Rams assets. have had a first
1: round draft pick in like four years, you know?
0: Yeah, they haven't. And I don't think they have one for another two or three years mm-hmm. after this. So the Rams have mortgaged their future for the present, And I think that the, the Niners were willing to do a little bit of that heading into this draft because they've seen the examples ahead of them that, and it's worked out. And, I think that while Trey Lance is a talented quarterback, there's a lot of promising things to like about him. A lot of a lot of skill set uh, and promising tools that he has that could that suggest he will be a successful quarterback, especially because he's working under Kyle Shanahan, who is a guru on offense, very well respected yeah. head coach. I think Jimmy G is there. They're going to be the a successful playmaker for them this year. I I'm optimistic yeah. about Jimmy G's chances to keep that job for a majority. At the league It's health. Season. It's you health know. with Jimmy G. That's the exactly. key. It's the health thing
1: because he has a very strong at. winning record when healthy with this team. He brought him to a yeah. super bowl. And the thing with Trey Lance too, is I think he might be the most raw out of all five rookie quarterbacks taken totally. in the first round. Totally. I think the physical, the physical, physical, is really he, he is, hard absolutely right up there but in terms of actual game management and then college experience he has had the least out of each of them was
0: not playing was not playing the level of competition no they're not playing what
1: clemson and alabama and ohio state they're not doing anything maybe zach wilson you could put him against but still i mean
0: yeah i mean you look at the win loss record with uh, kyle shanahan with jimmy g is 24 and 9 with him they were that's outstanding and one against the spread the 56 percent hitting against the spread with jimmy g they were averaging 28.2 points a game and then without jimmy g kyle Shanahan coached 49er teams have been seven and 27 41 percent against the spread averaging 20 a game so it's a big drop off to the next guy and look arguably trey lance even you if he were to start week one he's probably better than cj cj bethard and And uh, Mullins and these other blokes that they've been throwing. Right.
1: And we saw those guys have some decent fantasy success and and also play decently well because when you have Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel and George Kittle and Raheem Mostert, the amount
0: of weapons that that team has when healthy, Mm -hmm. there's There's a lot of opportunity for success. It's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde with the 49ers, whether or not. Jimmy Garoppolo's been their quarterback over a lot. Oh, since 2017. They've been the fourth-ranked offense by EPA standards with Garoppolo. And then without him, they're 27th. <clears throat> that drop-off is m- massive. That is <clears throat> huge. And re- reportedly, Jimmy G bulked up this offseason to try to help with some of that injury prevention. If he could stay healthy, you know, they got to stick with him because clearly the stats have shown that he's he's the guy there right now. He's he he has earned the the uh the starting gig. He has earned that role in his own right by playing well when he's been able to take on the field, but that's the biggest question mark whether or not he stays healthy.
1: The former Tom Brady heir apparent, Mr. I Date Porn Stars, I think he can bring this team back to another <laughs> Super Bowl with the amount of talent that they have if he can stay healthy. I mean, this defense has proven that they're very uh talented they no longer have robert sala though so that'll be I, interesting to I see really, the impact yeah, there that
0: would be interesting i'm really hoping that shanahan doesn't prematurely go to trey lance if things go a little south for a brief moment here because right that, that could easily
1: derail do. their win loss record and that's what scares me about their over under being so high totally. as well i have a lot more confidence in the rams getting double digit wins this year than san francisco based on the injury history and based on the fact that there's a chance they bring in a rookie quarterback, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, you look at the success rate of rookie QBs, um, The the Athletic had an excellent stat that they put out there in their NFL preview article that 20, 20, historically over the last 10 years, 23% of rookie QBs have been above average, just 23%, so, and and those are big names.
1: Even when they're above average, the Justin Herberts and the Joe Burrows, they still don't put up winning records.
0: Yeah, yeah they it, this is based on epa too so just seven of 31 uh rookie quarterbacks who received i think it's 300 dropbacks yeah 300 dropbacks over the last 10 years finished in the top half of starters in epa and that's Dak prescott robert griffin jr uh robert griffin robert griffin the third sorry there russell it is. Wilson. I foot four three yeah <laughs> russell wilson justin herbert cam newton james winston andrew luck i mean that's a big names right there and whether or not Trey Lance has the ability to do that, I mean, he, he didn't have nearly the college pedigree that any of those guys had. So yeah. I So I, I, Look, I, I think Jimmy G is maybe not the quarterback of the future, but I think he's the quarterback of right now for the for the San Francisco 49ers. I hope that they stick with him for uh, this whole season. Honestly, I think that Trey Lance would benefit from some development under Jimmy G, who is someone that de- spent years developing under Tom Brady and benefited a lot from that himself. So I think that there's uh while Trey Lance has a, a lot of promising characteristics for his future i think um, leading by example with Jimmy G i think would be would behoove the the 49ers for this season mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm interested to see what Shanahan could do with somebody who has the physical abilities that Trey Lance has, you know, there are obviously some comparisons it's to the possibility. former San Francisco quarterback, Colin Kaepernick, right. Who brought them to an NFC yeah. championship previously. That was under Harbaugh, of course, but you know, the, the optionality that a guy who can run and pass brings to a team. And especially when you, when you think about a gifted uh, offensive coach and talented mind, like, Kyle Shanahan, it could be very interesting what this team could do, but I don't think, like you said, we have a history of rookie quarterbacks having a winning record in their first
0: year. Yeah. It has happened, but not often historically no. it's it's the guys with the highest pedigree that have done so, like the Andrew Lux and you know I think cam Cam Newton had a winning record. Russell Wilson did not have a winning record, but he actually made right. the playoffs that year i mean so. i I think Mac Jones,
1: if you put him in that situation right with the Patriots and you have a system quarterback who's well trained, I think he could be very good this year, but I don't know about trey lance i just I just don't trust it yet.
0: Yeah, and he's honestly someone that I I knew the maybe the least of most the least about heading into the draft. Like right. he, I didn't we, we didn't really see him play at North Dakota State. Like he wasn't on national television on a regular basis. So we as you know fans and and people that are kind of looking from the outside in, we don't really have a, an educated guess besides what we're hearing from the Niners and from the analysts that have actually seen him play. And honestly, it seems like Jimmy G is going to be their guy this year, and I hope he is because I think that for the sake of the 49ers and their success this year, I think Jimmy G is going to be the the answer to those, those questions. Um, I mean, before before we touch on fantasy football, too, I mean, I, I, did, are you aware of how bad the health got last year for the 49ers? Like, have you looked at the numbers for it? It's terrible. They were the I mean, most it's, impacted it's, by injury last year of any team. It's I, not yeah. even close. It's not even close. George Kittle played,
1: I, and I know this because George Kittle was on my team, so I know he played less than half a season. I know Debo missed a ton of time. That's why we saw the emergence of Brandon Nayuk. I also had Raheem Mostert on another team, so I'm very aware of how injured the San Francisco 49ers. were last year and of course Jimmy G missed a ton of the season so when you're talking about the amount of starters who would typically play and were injured the San Francisco 49ers had by far the most on a percentage basis yeah
0: Garoppolo Kittle Debo Mostert Nick Bosa D. Ford Richard Sherman all missed like Kevin Coleman missed time and he was a major part of that team yeah it was it was insane so really if you're if I'm I'm leaning the under on this one, but that's the biggest question mark: whether or not how much we could take away from that last year, because clearly they were not themselves last season. When you miss that, when you lose that many big names, that many difference makers, um, you clearly you're a team without an identity. If that's the case, when that
1: is case. Richard Sherman still on that team?
0: No, he's not. He had he had quite the off season. Yeah, his whole off season thing was. Very questionable. All right, let's talk about some fantasy guys that we're trying to highlight here. And I'll, I'll start it off with, you know, let's look at this backfield for the 49ers because Shanahan backfield's running backs have, it's an opportunity for value. I mean, four, 49er running backs have ranked fifth in the league. They ranked fifth in the league last year um, in backfield touches per game, 30.6, despite all those injuries we just talked about. And it was, you know, next man up mentality. Uh, Mostert got a lot of carries. I think Jeff Wilson Jr. led the backfield in carries last year. Tevin Coleman. He's starting the season on the pup right now. Remember remember Jemichael? Yeah, for a couple of games. Yeah, so Mostert had an efficient year last season, considering he was the RB28 while missing eight games. He'll have a role in the backfield when healthy this year, but he's 29 years old and he's never passed uh, 151 touches in one year. So, There will be a lot of value in other running backs. His
1: best season was the playoffs when he just like three straight games of hundred yard games when they went to the championship that year.
0: Totally. Totally. Trey Sermon is, uh, we already mentioned him briefly as a a rookie running back that they went in the Niners. Clearly that was their target in the third round. They traded up to get him in the third. And they they traded just like the way, the way they traded up for Trey Lance. I already mentioned San Francisco. They knew who they want and they, they knew who they wanted and they went and got him. Uh, the biggest value in San Francisco backfield, I think, is easily Sermon. While Mostert, I think, has some value, the ceiling might not be as high as a guy like Trey Sermon because he could eventually – he has a, the opportunity – he has the potential to take over as the bell cow back considering Mostert's injury history. Jeff Wilson's torn meniscus to start the season. Gallman is one of the blandest running backs out there. He's going to be like the, the fourth guy um, in this backfield. Long-time
1: Giants <laughs> backup
0: yeah I mean he he's one of those guys that just kind of has floated he's around just there, you know he's yeah. there he's there, nothing exciting he's so like i said bland absolutely bland and so There's a lot of question marks on guys that aren't named Trey Sermon in the 49ers backfield, and I think that he's a guy that has the highest upside for me in the 49ers running back game.
1: You know what, though? In terms of value, I do love Raheem Mostert. In ADP, he's the 29th running back off the board, and when you're looking at those advanced metrics, the guys who hit their top speed with running perspective and those explosive plays, Raheem Mostert's at the top of the list, and he's going behind guys like Javante Williams and Travis Etienne and Chase Edmonds and Mike Davis. So if there's a guy I'm willing to take a chance on that I know has pedigree of a number one running back on a team, it's going to absolutely be Raheem Mostert. Sure, there's huge, huge injury implications because I have yet to see him play a full season, but I have no problem taking the stack then of Trey Sermon, who's probably going... Around running back 40. So it's really not going to cost you that much if you want to lock up the San Francisco 49ers backfield and say, I'm going to go ahead and grab running back 29 and running back 40 and and the 11th and 13th all year
0: long. This might be a Nick Chubb.
1: Kareem Hunt, and we we've seen that with San Francisco, how they rotated through Jarek McKinnon, Tevin Coleman, Jamichael Hasty, Jeff Wilson, and uh, Raheem Mostert in previous years, where all of these guys they were extremely efficient when they got touches. The key is just finding the guy who is getting the touches. So if you want to yeah, say, I'm going to go ahead and take. Raheem Mostert and Trey Sermon and just lock up the San Francisco 49er backfield and when I know who's going to be the main starter and right now everything I'm hearing out of 49ers camp is that Raheem Mostert's going to be that guy. Uh, we're talking yeah. about a rookie running back. Usually we don't see these guys progress to the second half of the season anyways. So when we're talking about last year, right? Antonio Gibson, DeAndre Swift, Cam Akers, none of these guys were that impactful in the first eight games of the season. Jonathan Taylor too. You know, it, early on, they weren't that effective. It took about it's eight to ten weeks before we really saw them explode. So if you want to go ahead and grab Raheem Mostert and then just handcuff him with Trey Sermon, I think that's an extremely effective way to go to lock up an RB two slash three or I flex like that spot. Strategy. I like that strategy. And, and Ben, because like I said, just because I said this, don't don't you think you can go ahead and take this strategy when we play against each other in an auction draft later this year?
0: That's 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 the that's the nature of the beast. <laughs> the 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 49er running backs like i said fifth in the league last year yeah. in touches per game so there's a lot of value to be had the key is just getting the like guy it. who's getting the touches that's the biggest it question looks like these are it's gonna be mostert and um sermon mm-hmm. so I, I i like the idea there to to try to you know grab them both if you can and um You know, really, for me, I'm always a sucker for the upside and the and the end of the season type of value that Sermon might might possess because I think you're right, where Mostert might be at least the guy early on and the more consistent running back week in and week out. But for me, I I always like lean towards like the confidence and the knowing that I'm going to be in the playoffs at the end of the year, regardless of you know my I I could you know let my my team get auto picked and I still think that I'll be able to make the playoffs eventually. Um, so really, I like to lean towards the guys that are going to have the most value come the end of the season and playoffs.
1: You you won't let your team get auto pick this year.
0: I'm not I'm not that big. With you. <laughs> All right, before we move on, really love to touch on Brandon Ayuk, the biggest breakout potential probably on this squad. Um, just a second year monster of a wide receiver, and I think he's going to be taking over as the wide receiver one in this offense. A good opportunity for him to... I mean, Debo Samuel obviously is, is a big name. Someone who is ob- obviously very talented in his own right. He's, I think he's broken the most tackles over the last two seasons. Um, that's saw PFF, I think, posted that recently. He's
1: an absolute jackhammer, but that also plays into why he's injured so often because he just runs True. like a bulldozer. And when you're talking about big impact hits, it's also going to leave you on the sidelines often, and that's exactly what we saw last year.
0: Yeah. I love Brandon Ayoub coming into the season. I think he's a huge value... Uh, I, I just I, I think that if this offense sticks with Jimmy G throwing the football, Brandon Ayuk is going to have a monster season. I would not be surprised to see Brandon Ayuk finish in the top 15 wide receivers, maybe even top 10, if Jimmy G stays healthy, plays at least like 14, 15 games. So I like that value.
1: Yeah, I think you're, you're absolutely right. In the games we saw him play, he was extremely effective. Multiple games, over 100 yards, multiple touchdowns. The biggest question is, okay, with Debo back on the field, with George Kittle back on the field, with Raheem Mostert back on the field, how many touches is this guy really gonna get? And so that's the question. But if he's able to stay healthy while these the other guys talented.
0: don't. I think he I think he's the most talented of all those guys you just mentioned. Honestly, I think he is. I think he's that good. He's he's more talented good.
1: than George Kittle.
0: Yes. I think Kittle obviously has better hands, better, you know, probably a bit little more seasoned and and consistent route runner. But I think that in terms of big play potential, in terms of that ceiling, I think Brandon Ayuk is easily the number one guy in this mm-hmm. offense.
1: All right, yeah. I mean, I, I'm going to take George Kittle as the number one target and the most effective player on this offense year in and year well, out. But positional, upside-wise, positional, I can understand what you're saying.
0: In terms of positional value, George Kittle's obviously going to go a lot higher in ADP. But I'm, I'm saying possibly. pure stats,
1: too. In terms of most I just, yards, I think George Kittle's still uh, going to lead that team in terms of yards as well.
0: I I I, I beg you to differ. I think it's gonna be Brandon. Iyuk. Hey, let's let's hey right here. Here's the first Ben and Connor
1: bet of the season. I'm gonna take George Kittle yards. You're gonna take Brandon Ayuk easily. All okay. right, let's do it. We we need to have a like a cool catchphrase
0: for when we when we make the bets. All right, bow, bow, bow. I get that little buzzer. Going. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> Wasn't that uh pro, uh the fantasy footballers have like the water bet?
1: Water bet, and then um the fantasy focus guys have put it on the board.
0: That's funny. Uh, How about about this? How about analyze that (laughs) since we're all things analysis? All right. give me a little sample of that. We'll we'll play it on the podcast. All right. Give me over, under 10 and a half wins for the San Francisco 4th in 2020. Under. I'm under two. We, we've agreed three for three here and i don't like that's that. not good yeah, that's bulls
1: <laughs> you know are we allowed to swear on this league. podcast <laughs> look
0: let me give you let me give you one last reason for the under um i know we talked about the injury troubles they had last year but look we're looking at a four and a half win improvement for the 49ers they got six wins last year they're looking at 10 and a half winning over um win total here that's a four and a half improvement most or uh, second most improvement projected for any team in the nfl the jaguars are projected to pr- improve from one win to six and a half so usually when you're talking about this drastic of right one win to six and a half not really not that much uh groundbreaking you know i think
1: trevor lawrence alone can do well, that you know of examples. Yeah. those
0: are the type of, type of examples when you see this type of improvement projected but we are talking about the most injured team yeah that's the only thing to be worried about but my point is i mean Oh, on average, since 2010, the teams that are projected to have the top five improvement in wins do end up winning about 3.3% I mean, 3.3 more games on average, but, but we need four win. and a half. We're right. Exactly. Yeah. And they, they only win 0.3 wins over projection on average. So they typically barely beat the projections and we're talking about a four and a half win improvement. And so it's, it's a drastic, drastic change. No,
1: that's statistically significant for sure.
0: Yeah, it's it's thirty four out of sixty four cases exceeded their win total over the last uh, ten years, so pretty significant against uh, against the over. Uh, all right, let's roll into the Seattle Seahawks. Man, this division just gets like more intimidating team after team. These guys, these teams are all very good. Seattle, their twenty twenty record was twelve and four. The over under win total heading into twenty twenty one season is ten. They're plus two seventy five, plus two eighty to win the division. They added, you know, guys like Gabe Jackson to their their offensive line, Gerald Everett at the tight end position, Alden Smith on the edge. They added, they uh, they lost guys like Carlos Hyde, David Moore, wide receiver, Greg Olson, tight end, Jacob Hollister, tight end. Um not a whole lot of player movement to be significant. They did lose some guys on defense. Shaqu- Shaquille Griffin is, is a big loss for them. Quentin Dunbar wasn't a great one to let go. So they did, they get, they get a, a little weaker on the secondary on their defense, but uh, more or less it's a, a very similar roster heading into this next season. The biggest issue, I mean, how heading into the season, how will Seattle address the issue with protect protecting Russell Wilson? Because that was the off story. I mean, you, you saw the interview with Dan Patrick or was it a, uh, it Eisen, I think it was Eisen Russell Wilson had uh, on the radio show where he talked about how he he's sick again hit so much right he, he and he
1: his he, his agent put out the list of five teams he wants to get traded yeah. to there was it's some really there was like a large stuff. rift in a team where he's been there for almost a decade and all of a yeah. sudden this is the first time we're hearing about it. I mean obviously you can see it on the field. he gets hit a ton and, and he had one of the highest sack rates, but that's because you know people were in the backfield all the time. He it, a hole in the ball too long, but, he, that's, but that's that. That's part of his amazing skill set too. Is he true. he loves to improvise. He loves to get out of the pocket and he loves to cook. So do we do we see them let Russ cook or do we see them go to the ground and pound and try to trust their defense? It was kind of a tale of two seasons last year. Early on, they were letting Russ cook. They looked great. They were like six and one, six and two to start. But then he started getting inefficient. He started having turnovers. He tried to cook too much. He tried to put the team on his back. Be Carroll Pulled the reins and said, No, I'm gonna let the defense take care of everything. I I feel like this team never has a balance between offense, defense, and running. It's either one or the other. And it's like, why can't they mix it?
0: I think what we see is Pete Garrell, he's the oldest head coach in football. He's very traditional in terms in the way he he schemes his his offenses. He loves to run the ball. He loves to run. Last year, Schottenheimer was the offensive coordinator. They ran the ball 40% of their first half run was... Uh, sorry, in their first half, their their run rate was 40%. That was 28th. They did not run the ball out. They were letting Russ cook. And you saw later in the season when things weren't quite working, Carroll insisted on going back to the traditional values of running the ball more. And the the uh, the biggest thing for me, dude, Russ, since he's entered the league, he's taken 394 sacks. That's 69 more sacks than any other player has taken in that span the O-line ranked 30th last season in adjusted sack rate there were a lot of problems you know with that with that pass protection for Russ if for a team that had as much success as they did last year 12 wins that's a very good record 12 and 4 they had they ran into a lot of you know they had a lot of underlying issues that ended up sh- you know showing showing themselves when they when they lost to the Rams and they, they lost to the Rams with the backup quarterback what was the name of their backup that they had Heisey or I can't remember the guy's name
1: oh yeah little scat guy
0: yeah the uh
1: he played in the playoff game over Jared jerry
0: i know and then the, he got uh, absolutely uh, murdered on the field yeah he did oh and then he went to the hospital that was a bizarre crazy game really the the point i'm getting at too is also just the the rushing the rushing rates for seattle i mean you look at the last five seasons 20 taking back to 2016 and it, it's a story of when things don't go right with the offensive coordinators Carroll fires them and brings in a new one who's willing to run the ball and so I think this year we're going to see a reinvigoration honestly and I think it's bad for the team but good for guys like Chris Carson they're going to run the ball again this year they're going to get back to it because they're going to try to reduce the amounts of hits that Russell Wilson is taking since 2016 so you look at the run rates first half run rates which is I mean when you when you talk about the the this like the the way NFL games play out. How do you get to a big lead? You throw the ball. You know, you throw the ball early and then you run the ball late to try to milk the clock. Pete Carroll likes to run the ball early and then throw the ball late, but which is more reactionary, mm-hmm. to me, honestly. But you look at Pete Carroll likes to run the ball, and so f- 2016 they ranked 28th in first half run rate, 11 halftime leads. So you look at the success of of the Seattle Seahawks and their running schemes. When they throw the ball, they're more successful at halftime they have the lead when they throw the ball and then they they have their uh behind when they run the ball so you look at 2016 sorry i keep getting back to these stats 42 percent first half run right there were 28th they had 11 halftime leads throughout that year they had 10 wins in 2017 46 percent they were 23rd in the league they had four halftime leads that was the year that Derek, uh offensive coordinator bevel got fired from uh the seahawks the next next offseason because he wasn't running the ball enough for Carroll. they bring in Marty Schottenheimer, new offensive coordinator, 2018. This is the last time they had a new OC. 2018, they ran the ball 60% of the time in the first half. That's first in the league. They had seven halftime leads and 10 wins. That's not a lot of halftime leads, seven. 2018, they had 50% first half half run rate. Ninth in the league, they had five halftime leads. When Carroll insists on the running rate, you can see kind of a trend. They're starting to dip in the first half. Um, and that's not a good thing because when you play from behind the second half you're much more reactionary you don't get to control the pace of the game right last year <laughs> they were much improved over in, ter- in terms of regular season success they had they they threw the ball more in the first half they had 40% first half run rate that's 28th in the league they had 11 halftime leads and they won they won um, they have won 12 games overall so Carroll insists on running the ball in Seattle and, and why I don't know it's not efficient it doesn't work and really I just I don't think that um while you know it's it's a catch 22 because Russell Wilson doesn't want to get hit but if he doesn't want to get hit then he has to throw the ball and he has to hold the ball and that's not you know that's not what Pete Carroll wants to do he wants to protect Russell Wilson he wants to run the ball and that's not their strength they have never been a good running team ever since they lost Marshawn Lynch and I just the beast mode, Marshawn Lynch, not the one that they had like last year or two years ago when uh, he came back for that Renaissance performance. But honestly, it's just like it 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 it's it's a balance that doesn't seem to be working itself out. And there's something that's going to break here. It's going to be either Pete Carroll makes some adjustments and makes and makes some coaching changes and schematic changes, which I don't see happening. Like I said, he's the oldest coach in the league, seventy years old. I don't think he's willing to bend. And I think what we're going to see is an increased rate in running this season. And I think we're going to see a lot of upset Russell Wilson quotes. I don't think he's going to come back to Seattle in 2022. That's my bold prediction.
1: Wow. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a fair
0: analysis. I mean, when I Pete... threw a lot at you there. It was kind of confusing, but... No, you're
1: absolutely right. You're and... And you're, you're talking about the, the right things in terms of the offensive coordinator being shipped out because they were passing the ball too much in terms of Pete Carroll's opinion. But we yeah. see where the league is going. And when you're talking about having 11 halftime leads and 12 wins on a season, that seems right in line with kind of what you'd want to be expecting. And yet to dish out your offensive coordinator like that. Yeah. In the second half of the season, they were much worse, and that's because they were running the ball a lot more. Because, well, they, he stopped trusting Russell Wilson, which is There's one. There's a weird lot of thing. underlying
0: issues. There's a, a lot of underlying issues why the running the running the ball doesn't work well for them because. The, reason, the main reason why they were doing that was because their defense was terrible. Their defense was not good. And, th- and they did finish better. They did have a good finish. This is team. not the same defensive team
1: when they had Earl Thomas and Richard Sherman, and they had the 12th oh, man know? going crazy. Exactly. This this is a completely different team. They were an absolute sieve. They were one of the worst teams against the pass last Early year. On, they were giving terrible. up huge numbers. They were going to have 30, 40 points a game.
0: Surprising, surprising enough, they finished 16th in DVOA on defense, and they had a decent finish of the year and I think that's because they awesome addition. that was a huge
1: addition but also when you're putting up less points other teams stop pressing the gas pedal against you and I think that's a huge factor too so when they're running the ball a lot more in the second half of the season they were giving up less points because they're running down the clock and the other teams are like well we don't need to run up the score because they're not going to pass the ball against us
0: yeah it's it's kind of a quandary that doesn't really seem to have an uh, explicit solution But my point here with all this talk about running the ball is it it transitions well into our our fantasy football predictions. I am incredibly high on Chris Carson this year. I think Chris Carson, honestly, he seems like he's consistently underrated, and health has just been the only thing that's held him back from elite status. because He's an efficient runner. He produced a positive result last year on 51.8% of his rushes. That was tops in the league um, amongst running backs. I think Kyler Murray had a higher success rate and uh, i think josh allen might have had as well but he, any running back that had at least 75 carries uh chris carson was the number one in terms of success rate so chris carson i think is i think that we're going to see increased uh a recommitment to the running game and i think chris carson is going to get heavy heavy volume for the seattle seahawks as long as he stays healthy i'm very high on him i think he finishes as a as a late rb1 kind of in the rb12 rangers
1: and right now he's the currently
0: adp wise
1: he's the rb20 off the board and that's taking into consideration yahoo fan tracks uh ffc and espn so
0: yeah I'm there's very high certainly high value
1: to I be had if you want to target him late
0: value. i think we're going to see a, a recommitment to the running game and i think chris carson is going to benefit from that in fantasy the thing is i just don't know
1: how good that is going to be for the seattle seahawks as a team in terms exactly. of the win and loss record i,
0: I this is why i'm also le- leaning under on 10 wins i just don't think that running the ball is going to be conducive for them to have success this year
1: yeah and i, also, I lean the, the same way too the let them cook let him cook. He he was the MVP of the first half of the season last year. Easily. It wasn't even like
0: close. I mean, Dak Prescott before he got hurt was his only competitor. Yeah. So I, I I'm with you there. I also think Gerald Everett might be a guy to consider in terms of tight end value. I think he's he's someone that's kind of getting drafted maybe at the end of the end of drafts. He's he's more or less a tight end too. But he's gonna be the third pass catching option in this offense, which could result in some potentially um, you know, juicy fantasy value.
1: I think Tyler Lockett's interesting too because, you know, his ADP compared to DK Metcalf, he, I think he finished maybe ninth or tenth in fantasy points last year and DK was like sixth or seventh. But if you look at their ADP this year, DK is is like top five, top 10, and Lockett's going like 25 to 30th. And yeah, he was all over the place in terms of points scored on a game to game basis. 50 point game or something like that. He had that one. Right. But if you're going to say, what is more likely him to be so horrible in some games and so incredibly effective in others, or kind of more of a return to the mean and just be more consistent. I would guess he's going to be more consistent than not. Yeah. So I think, I about, think he is a yeah. valued late in drafts.
0: I think that's a, you know, I, I think that Tyler Lockett's getting drafted kind of in the late wide receiver two range or so. Do you have Do you have his wide receiver? Uh,
1: yeah, let me pull uh, up the ADP.
0: I think that he, if you get him as your your, if you if you pair him with a a, a good wide receiver three, if if you have two a
1: RB twenty one, right after Michael Thomas, right before DJ Moore.
0: I like I, honestly, I like DJ Moore a little bit more than Tyler Lockett, but I think that's kind of in the ballpark of where you're looking. I think Tyler Lockett is a, a good value, like you said, but and also kind of you're going to take ball. DJ
1: Moore with Sam Darnold versus Tyler Lockett with Russell Wilson, I'm,
0: though. I, I'm a little optimistic on Darnold this year, but mm-hmm. you're right. I think the, if you go by quarterback play, there's no doubt Russell. Wilson well,
1: DJ Moore is interesting. There. Well, this is for another pod, but with Curtis Samuel departing, I think that's an interesting play. Definitely,
0: uh, I um but he's going
1: with the likes of Michael Thomas, who's going to miss part of the season. Uh, he's with Deontay Johnson, Kenny Galladay, who we've heard bad Man. reports about Odell Beckham, who's been one of the most inconsistent oh, wide no. receivers. Odell's dead to me. Jamar he's chase, dead to who's a rookie me. and probably the third wide receiver on that team. I mean, I think he's certainly a value there.
0: Yeah. And, when the seattle seahawks inevitably run the ball more that's kind of going to implement more of a rhythm to their offense which kind of is conducive for a guy with lockett's possession type receiving mm-hmm. skills because i think dk metcalf's kind of the guy that you know is, is the big play opportunity he's going to the guy that russell Wilson's is going to look for you know on throws beyond 10 yards or so but lockett's going to be that slot receiver going to be catching you know balls within five yards can try to be busting uh, runs after the catch he's gonna be a, a yak guy this year probably so.
1: what's interesting is is Lockett for the first three years of his career was only seen as a deep threat you know he was the punt returner and the guy who is the deep ball guy but when you add DK Metcalf Am who I has four two that, four three speed kind of a, and he's he's also 65 yeah. foot five six six, so he's gonna win those jump balls it, it I don't know I mean Tyler Lockett had 10 touchdowns last year he had double digit touchdowns yeah. It's really tough to gauge a guy who's that all over the map.
0: But, but I I would love to come out of my draft with Tyler Lockett as my wide receiver three. I, mm-hmm. I would be a little wary if he was my wide receiver two with not a lot of backup options. That's my that's my take on that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think a very high upside wide receiver three, and I I'm I'm comfortable with him as my wide receiver two, depending on who my need, wide receiver I one need, is. I, if I have DeAndre Hopkins as my wide receiver one, so someone who or Alan Robinson, someone who I know is going to get. 10 targets, 12 targets a game is going to be uber consistent. Then I'm fine with the up and down. Now, if Amari Cooper is my wide receiver one and then add Tyler Lockett, I mean, those guys are so up and down that that's definitely not a combo I want. Yeah, that's the poo. So it completely, completely depends on who my wide receiver one is. It, and that's, you know, I think that's a fair take.
0: Yeah. All right. We're going to, we're both on the under for Seattle. Mm-hmm. I think that's the all, all four teams. God damn it. Who are we missing? Which one are we going to get wrong here? Which one are we least confident? Well, I think we went under the Niners, right? I think we went under three times, and if
1: the Niners are healthy, I think they have the most talented team. The only thing that worries me is is running out uh, a rookie quarterback. But yeah, I think the Niners have the most upside out of the guys we went under on in terms of the Seahawks and Cardinals. I agree oh no we
0: can't agree on that too though ben this is horrendous to throw out the niners <laughs> look i'm very i'm pretty confident about the uh the seahawks getting under 10 wins i think i might actually put some personal some personal dough on this i think look seattle they faced the second most difficult schedule in opposing defenses they play nine games against defenses that ranked in the top 10 in defensive epa last season the seahawks went eight and three last year in one score games that was the second season that Seattle won at least 62% of their one-score games, second season in a row. It's a difficult trend to repeat that kind of dumb luck type of uh, performance. And I think that Seattle is going to kind of regress to the mean in that sense. And I'm, I'm pretty confident in under 10 wins. Seattle I just I, I think th- that we're going to see Pete Carroll insist on running the ball and I don't see how that's going to benefit their success
1: what's difficult about this division is we have three teams with Super Bowl pedigree when you're talking about the Seahawks yeah. the Rams and the well, 49ers yeah, Russell
0: Wilson as your as your quarterback anything could happen yeah so I mean we're we're we t- we, we touched on all three of these
1: Russell's the most teams. talented quarterback the most in the division
0: easily it's like not even close.
1: So, so then I mean, are we not gonna take them? Or are we gonna take the most talented roster, the most talented quarterback? I think the most complete team is the Rams, and that's the easy over for me. And so if you're saying ten and a half for the 49ers, what, what was it for the Seahawks? Was it nine and a half or is it ten as well? Yeah. So, I, mean, I wouldn't I, w- I think a push
0: is in very well in the pot in the, the potential outcomes there for Seahawks. I think the so, other ten, the, ten wins might be I feel I feel good. On a lock
1: for the Rams. That's that's the, my most confident pick. Give me the over on the Rams. Lock that one down. The other three, it's I'm a little iffy on. I'm most confident to the Cardinals under. The other two teams have a wide range of outcomes.
0: Yeah. We agreed too much, though, so on this podcast, my guy, we just we need on the we,
1: we need to part ways. This is not cool. We need to bring on a third host or something, or or maybe this is. I mean, you and I, we we have a lot of solid and strong takes, and we've had a lot of good predictions. But I don't think we've ever, and we did not talk about this episode very much beforehand. So maybe this is just like. The ultimate perfection sign. Like maybe this is just so fantastic. We
0: were in lockstep in our initial preview here.
1: I think I think we got a. I think we need a new column called Personal Dough, and I think we need to actually make these bets. I like this.
0: It's a good idea. I like it. (laughs) We're gonna be bringing you guys a lot of this type of analysis. We got a lot of gambling handicapping ahead of us. We got notes galore we're gonna to try to get to- Ooh, boy do we got notes <laughs> we got we got um stuff coming for ata and we're really excited if you can't tell for the upcoming football season connor this was an absolute blast to get back into it with you we're really looking forward to doing this on a regular basis once again for the upcoming season
1: yeah i totally agree and uh one thing i want to mention um uh one thing you've been doing so fantastically is vicious trivia and one thing we're running right now is a promotion on the website. If you go ahead and sign up and create a free account, uh, you can use your Facebook account or Google account so you don't have to create a new password. You don't have to create a new email with us. You can go ahead and sign up with an account you already have. You're going to be entered to win an autographed Keenan Allen jersey that's JSA certified. Additionally, we're going to be giving away some possible DJ Chark signed cleats, a little uh, a guy I like nice. uh, for an undervalued nice. draft pick. And so... Some sports cards absolutely you can enter did you create an account on the website <laughs> anybody who creates an account on the website for free is automatically entered in this giveaway and we're going to be doing live trivia right before kickoff of the nfl season so make sure you join us we had a lot of fun doing this the first time and we're hoping to get a bigger audience the second time around and we want to give away free stuff that's what we like to do we like making our fans happy we like winning you guys money we like giving away prizes we're trying to bribe you guys so you follow us. <laughs> Absolutely. How much money do we need to give each individual person? That way we can IPO on the stock market and make a bunch of money.
0: Uh, that's the plan. That's the plan. That's, <laughs> that's the dream, my guy. Man, what a fun podcast. We did the NFC West. We, it, honestly, we were hoping that we could do a little bit more in terms of divisional analysis. But I, this is just real in-depth stuff. And I think that you know we're going to be offering a lot of great handicapping in terms of gambling and fantasy advice so connor looking forward to do the nsc south with you in the next podcast that we get going later this week and uh you know this one was definitely one that was worthwhile listening. i think but we had a lot of great tidbits in there
1: absolutely tidbits galore
0: tidbits the galore bid bid what is it uh what do you call it when you spoonerize something bid bid tits bid tits, bid tits galore. we can't say that on, we can't say it on the podcast either <laughs> Hey, this is my podcast. You can say whatever you want. <laughs> That's true. It's our all company. <laughs> right. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review Vicious Talk with Benny P on all your podcast platforms. We're literally on all of them at this point. So there's no excuse for you not to be all listening of them. to us. We're, 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 we're a little bit slower to get up on YouTube, but we are working on it. And uh, we do have a lot of podcasts for you to watch on YouTube, our All Things Analysis channel there. Please also, like Connor said, go to our website, allthingsanalysis.com to see all the exciting stuff we got coming up. Football season is underway, we got giveaways galore, Connor's really working hard on the marketing strategies for ATA and we got... Just really excellent stuff coming. Yep. Our rankings are
1: out on the website. We're gonna have a fantasy football season preview. We have 10 tips to win your fantasy football team. And everything we cover, reference? yeah, everything we cover on these podcasts. Ben and I are we're gonna post all of Ben's incredible notes as well on the website, too. So if you don't have time to listen to us ramble and you want to read through something while you're at work, it's gonna be right there on the website as well.
0: All right, Connor. Thanks again, buddy. Hey, thanks, Ben. This has been a blast. All right, don't forget to ask yourself at the end of the day, are you vicious?